0: My guest today again is Pat Ferenga, here to discuss the second half of the Harvard Post-Pandemic Future of Homeschooling Conference. Welcome back, Pat. Hey, Blake. Thanks for having me. So, were you totally riveted by the second half of this conference?
1: Well, the, the child abuse uh, thing certainly got my attention. and I was quite <laughs> relieved uh, to, to finally get the, the skinny on all the, the data
0: collection. Everyone's always talking about,
1: oh, there's no data about homeschooling. And now we learn there's no data about school abuse or uh, I know. private school that's, abuse. That's, and all that it. seems
0: to be the, the theme <laughs> of this entire conference. There's no data. Just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just we don't know anything. Uh, so right. we're going to be talking about that in a moment. And then after that, we are also going to talk about a separate Harvard conference regarding homeschooling. Uh, this is the homeschooling summit, which was supposed to happen in person uh, in June 2020, and it was it was postponed due to COVID. And then it happened this June. Uh, actually concurrently with the post-pandemic conference. We're, we're trying not to confuse these these two conferences. One is the Harvard Post-Pandemic Future of Homeschooling Conference. That's what we've been discussing. And this other one, which was a, a private invitation-only uh, online conference, uh, let's call it the Summit. And that was organized by Elizabeth Bartholet and James Dwyer, who we talked about in, uh, in the previous episode. They appeared in the first week of the post-pandemic conference. And so I got a... a Secret invitation to this online conference. I was sworn to secrecy because uh, when they discussed it last year, there was a lot of of uh, pushback and a lot of potential disruption uh, that was that was being brought forth by the homeschooling community, probably for good reason. And uh, and so I attended that conference, and we'll be talking about that uh, in the second half of this episode. So stick around to hear about the secret. Harvard Homeschooling Summit, and everything that was brought up there. Okay, but back to the post-pandemic conference. Uh, There were three weeks that happened in the second half of this conference. Uh, The first one was asking, is there more abuse in homeschooling or in public school? The next one was, is homeschooling an international movement? And the last session was, a panel of homeschooling parents, which we probably won't spend much time discussing. So let's go back to, is there more abuse in homeschooling or in public school? What stood out to you about this session, Pat? Well, um,
1: I I was, first of all, um, relieved to hear that um, while there there was um, not a lot of data about homeschoolers and as i said earlier and then they, they they said same thing you know is true of schools and you know they talked about the difficulties of uh lining up all, you know police reports and child um, children in need of services reports and school reports and how it's impossible there's nothing there um that they can really uh, use so they have to extrapolate in other ways um but I was really glad to hear um, that, you know, based on, on their extrapolation of uh, enrollment figures of people who are deciding to homeschool and the increase in homeschooling over the last 20 years or, or so. I think they even may have gone back further. Um, and while the rise of homeschooling was you know, numbers of people homeschooling increased, reports of child abuse and um, so on did not increase you know, among the homeschooling community at that time. And um, so there's you know, no evidence that homeschooling causes an increase in child abuse. Um, one of the things that really stuck out at me, though, especially if you've read the book Educated uh, by Tara Westover, <clears throat> and, and, um, and that is that physical abuse takes place in families, um, you know, um, to, to keep children in line or whatnot. Uh, domination sort of uh, tactics. But that sexual abuse is often, most often done by non-family members. Mm, mm-hmm. So, you know, sending them to schools and camps and stuff, you know, those those are, you know, you do want to make sure that those people are, are vetted properly. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that, that, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's going to assuage a lot of uh, critics, but, you know, at the same time, I, for me, it like puts to rest like this idea of you know parental predators of their on their children, and you know that's why they want to homeschool. I mean, you know, there always there's always going to be some horrible case that comes out, you know, one way or the other. But you know, you've, meaning you know, horrible for the schools or horrible for homeschoolers. But overall, statistically, what what they're saying is it's 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 not an issue, nothing to worry about.
0: So, I guess I am not totally convinced by the arguments put forth in this session. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad, I'm really glad that this was an entire session because this is one of the, the most important kind of counter critiques uh, mm-hmm. is saying, okay, homeschooling's not perfect, but what's the alternative? Uh, what goes on in, in public schools in terms of potential abuse? Uh, And so Mm -hmm. that's an important discussion. I just felt like the evidence that was presented here was was super weak. And it essentially said nothing. First of all, uh, like you, Mm. I was surprised that there's just not that much data. And the one study that was cited was from 2002. Or the study was Mm -hmm. 2003, but the data was 2002. And that said that essentially 9.6% of public schoolers from K to 12 experience some form of unwanted educator sexual misconduct and this could be either physical or non-physical so non-physical could be something like someone sending you lewd text messages um, right and so you know that's pretty old data and it's pretty shocking that there's there hasn't been any new studies about this like really can that possibly be true it's been right 20 years since there's been any systematic review of like uh, mm-hmm. uh, abuse, uh, in, in public schools. Uh, yeah. okay. But then yeah. the, the evidence that was provided by, uh, I believe Angela Dills, uh, it, it just didn't really make sense to me because the comparison was, all right, let's look at, uh, the total number of child fatalities, not including car crashes, uh, compared to, and let's compare the years before major homeschooling legislations were enacted in the eighties and nineties to the years after that. Like Mm -hmm. that's painting was such a broad brush. And she even said herself and the moderator reinforced this that, you know, we might be capturing too much data. We might be capturing too little data. uh, There's a very low sample size. uh, Mm -hmm. We're also only talking about reported cases. Uh, and the results, she said herself, were not statistically significant. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, the theme of this conference is we don't know. There's not good data. <laughs> you know. So I just didn't feel that convinced that, that anything meaningful was said here about whether uh, there is a, a link between child abuse and homeschooling. Just that, that this one study uh, based on the 80s and 90s like this is this is almost a generation ago now I I just didn't Mm -hmm. find it very compelling
1: well I was just happy for the headline
0: (laughs) oh what which headline
1: (laughs) that you know it 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 shows that child you know statistically you know you're not you're you're not gonna you're not gonna find more child abuse in homeschool if Uh, more people homeschool
0: the statistics were not significant So, I don't know, it just feels like a giant question mark to me. Uh, I know,
1: but they they could have put the question mark the other way too, you know, that's why I'm saying I'm happy for the headline. (laughs) Yeah, well, we don't have enough data. So we really have to press hard on these homeschoolers to get it,
0: you know. (laughs) Um, What I did like in this session was that uh, many of the researchers said that, you know, that a likely reason that there's not more research about abuse that goes on in schools is that schools exist and teachers' unions pr- exist to protect the, the jobs and reputations of the adults who work there. And, and that well, makes that, sense to me.
1: Yeah, and that was a really d- incredible and well-put point, point made by, um, I forget her last name, but Cheryl, was
0: there any? Or uh, the Carol, name? Carol Shake Shaft.
1: Yes, and you know she she made a you know she she made a closing statement that was quite powerful on that, you know, um, and and I really appreciated it how children are just not believed, you know, and in these situations, and so institutional concerns as we've seen with the Catholic Church and you know the Southern Baptist Convention, you know they you know and and God knows how many private schools you know you know have buried have buried such cases mm-hmm. over the decades. You know, um, so I, I'm really glad that, that 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 was spoken by somebody.
0: Uh, one other thing that came up in this session was uh, the moderator said, "So how do we protect, or mi- you know, protect kids or minimize the the chance of abuse?" And he brought up one of the suggestions from the very first session about requiring uh, homeschoolers to have two annual visits to mandatory reporters to adults. Mm-hmm outside of the family. And uh, one of the presenters, Angela, responded, which I think is a pretty common response. uh, Well, this is like saying you're guilty until you're proven innocent, and that any rules that apply to homeschoolers should also apply to public schoolers. And I Mm -hmm. definitely agree with that sentiment. But also, at the same time, I thought, well, this would be a universally applied rule, because public schoolers are seeing mandatory reporters, you know, teachers or, or other adults there five days a week. And so two annual visits to mandatory reporters is, you know, that, that's certainly equal treatment. It's, it's still quite unequal, just if you're talking about gross amount of time spent in front of non-parental adults. And, and I think we're going to return to the subject later in this episode, Pat, but, but what do you make mm-hmm. of that?
1: Well, what is a mandatory reporter? You know, um, I mean, what's their duty? I mean, in a school, you know, they got thirty kids or twenty in the classroom and so on, you know, and then you're talking about a homeschooling family that has a mandatory reporter come and sit in their living room, visit the home, and you know, examine uh, things. I mean, right right there there's a qualitative difference in, in the um, you know in, in how this is
0: conducted. Yeah, I, I think also you could go out of side of the home and go see a pediatrician or I don't well, know yeah, that. but that's that's something different, you know.
1: And uh, you know, I know that. Um, and and again, we're we're coming into the second conference. Here yeah, that's really right. Into depth in this, so so maybe we should hold off on on, on, okay. on going in detail. All right, we'll that. we'll
0: table that. We'll come back. Yeah, um, definitely. All right, so let's move on to the next session, which was is homeschooling an international movement. And mm-hmm. I was really hoping that there was going to be someone who would present an overview of the state of homeschooling legalities all across the world. And unfortunately that didn't happen. We heard from presenters in Israel, France, mm-hmm. and Quebec about mm-hmm. their specific situations, which were all interesting, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, right. Yeah. A right. Bit but disappointing. But
1: it, was, it was, and, you know, and, um, you know, the, 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 the French researcher was, was, so proud of, you know, the fact that they've captured the data, <laughs> You know I was that, that cracked me up you know that, that you know that that was you know and I think it was like four thousand six hundred families or something that that you know they they can absolutely say we're we're homeschoolers in France and these are their test scores and whatnot but yeah, yeah um it would have been nice to to hear uh more because i'm I'm so aware i mean as are you uh, as you you know, prime more so as you travel far more than I do. But um, you know, uh, homeschooling is. I, I get inquiries from all over the place. You know, um, and I don't know the laws in ninety nine percent of these countries. And um, you know, it would have been really interesting to hear how how other countries regulated, and also the you know the whole thing in France. I mean, he kind of touched on it, mm, but mm-hmm. I was I was surprised that that you know. didn't didn't get more mention. you know, I mean, they're, they're on the cusp of banning homeschooling and because of the protests of homeschoolers, they've come up with some other arrangement, you know, but. uh,
0: Yeah. My, my understanding based upon what, uh, what was his name? Philip said in the conference was that uh, as of October, 2020, there's a new policy that will be implemented in September, 2022. So there's like a two year lead time here. Uh, in mm-hmm. which you must apply for authorization to homeschool, and so this is essentially Elizabeth uh presumptive ban on homeschooling mm-hmm. being enacted. And uh, mm-hmm. even right now, they already have home inspections and mandatory registration, yep. and you know it's much more highly regulated. But it's it's going to mm-hmm. move in this in this direction of uh, I mean, yeah, guilty until proven innocent. So. yeah
1: yeah and and these are families you know i mean it, what's interesting to me though and again like you, you know the devil's in the details right uh so they say oh yeah you have to you have to meet with an evaluator or mandatory reporter or something like that well in france they 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 do that and my understanding is that the person who interviews you or your children uh or i imagine it's more more the children uh is the 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 town mayor <laughs>
0: Really? In France. The yeah, mayor? That's what,
1: that's, what's, that's what, and maybe this is only in like the, the more rural parts of France. That is know, hilarious I was...
0: in this sad right. kind of way. I know, right? You go in, yeah, you meet with the
1: mayor, and okay, you can homeschool. <laughs> you know?
0: it's, it's like saying, uh, I'm going to open a restaurant. Who's going to do the food safety inspection? I, the dog catcher. Like, yeah. And he's also,
1: yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, can you read this passage? Uh, uh, you know, all right. But <laughs> oh you know, yeah, it's, yeah. So, so, you know, and, and then, and again, when we get to the, bi- to the, to the bigger uh, thing, the secret conference, we'll, we'll have more to say on this. But one of the interesting things that, that the French researcher said was that 50% of homeschoolers only homeschool for a year or less.
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: france and you know i've seen i I believe that in in america it's it's three years two to three years before um you know most people stop homeschooling okay but you know we have and and and, you know i mean homeschooling has always been a short-term solution for some people but as you know a lot of people start with with short-term in mind and wind up sticking with it Mm -hmm. you know so i wonder just you know i mean in france it's so different uh, than America their con- conception of democracy and stuff so it's um, you know it, it, I, I'm, I'm sure that 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 the culture has a, a bit a big difference but I'd really like to know like why fifty percent of homeschoolers you know stop after first year is it just that that French is so hostile that that there's so few options you know uh, lack of support groups or. Or why, you know, yeah, I mean, I, that's sure. an interesting, and then 75% after two years, he said. So, yeah, be, I mean, that would be interesting to find out why, why it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. have the legs that, you know, certainly we've seen uh, families in Britain and America have.
0: One other thing that stood out to me, the presenter from Quebec said that there's been a big influx of homeschoolers in recent years, especially among ultra-Orthodox Jewish families. And, yes, uh, I don't know if there was further explanation there, uh, but- that, No, there wasn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. that just stood out. And uh, uh, this mm-hmm. makes me think, uh, you know, one of the big reasons that they're they're changing the homeschooling laws in France is because they're concerned about religious separatism among uh, Islamic- right. parallel societies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely have our own version of that here in the US, but it definitely seems like more of a kind of very pressing concern- Uh, In France. And Mm -hmm. and I wonder if something like that is going to happen in in Quebec. Also, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are concerned about, you know, highly insulated communities. And I think ultra Orthodox Jews definitely fall into that uh, Mm -hmm. description. So like you said, it's a very culturally specific Thing that we're describing here—it's not like everyone mm-hmm. just equally believes in the, the goodness of homeschooling. You know, people have specific concerns about the the unintended consequences of, of you know letting families right. really do their own thing.
1: But what was very interesting to me is when uh, Dr. Brabant, uh, the quote from Quebec, said that Quebec has had uh, homeschooling as a legal practice since 1943. Yeah. Right. I thought that was pretty fascinating, you know, and and yet they're still arguing about it. It's regulation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And all of the presenters painted a picture of, of fairly highly regulated homeschooling. And I wish we had heard from representatives from like the United Kingdom, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Mm -hmm. other provinces of Canada. You know, there are a lot of places where you can homeschool in a, in a fairly, uh, unregulated way, closer to the U.S. Right. model. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, the other thing that was uh, well, two other things that, that I, I thought uh, Dr. Prabant made that, that caught my my ears was the right. You know, cate- the way she categorized homeschool regulations instead of saying most restrictive to least restrictive, you know, she used um, more qu- qu- uh, qualitative terms you know, which, which I thought was an interesting way to approach it. But then she pointed out that there's this whole new profession in Quebec, homeschool inspectors. That's, <laughs> That's right. She said home that. education <coughs> monitor. That's
0: what I wrote oh, down. Home
1: monitors, home monitors. Right.
0: Pat, maybe you and I are, are qualified for a job in Canada if we decide we want to you know, start a new life somewhere. Probably oh, not yeah. though. You'd probably just, you know, cause she also mentioned that they have to follow the the state curriculum and uh, I was going
1: to say, yeah. And, and uh, then, you know, the Swiss have such a thing, the education counselors, I think she said, they call
0: them, uh, yeah. Yeah, so so, m- you know? Yeah. So maybe you and I would not be good fits for that job.
1: Probably not. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, cause so, so much of it is is—is this idea of you know fitting round pegs into square holes. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, no, you're know, like, let's, let's let, Everyone finding their own their own way of learning their own you know and have patience with us. But yeah. well, I, as, as we'll see as we, we move into the next the, the next conference, there is very, very <laughs> little patience for for this. It's like you know every, things must be done.
0: <laughs> so, uh, would you summarize for listeners what took place in the final session, the panel of homeschooling parents? Yeah the the homeschooling
1: panel of parents was wonderful. Um, it, but as, as someone who's been who <laughs> in the '90s, 80s and 90s was apparent on these such panels and also convened them and ran them and you could even see youtube videos of, of some uh, some of these panels uh like with the colfax family from a conference we did in the late 90s you know um there were it, it's almost what they're saying is you know the same you know things haven't changed i mean it's it's wonderful you know you have Highly structured families that are able to get the curriculum out of the way and then let their kids do what what they want to do later on in the day. You got your unschooling families. You have your uh, libertarian family that thinks all education should be private. You know, and and everyone's w- was, was was eloquent. They addressed. You know, they made their points well. And uh, and and you know, to me, it was. I've heard this before and this is good, but you know, when I was listening, um, Paul Peterson, I think is his name, you know, the moderator was yes. wrapping things up, you know, and he did, he was wonderful. He did a great job. I thought of, of keeping it all evenly balanced and, uh, and, and asking some very good probing questions. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he was saying how, how nice it is to, to hear from the parents and, and how enlightening and stuff. And part of me felt like, well, maybe we should have led with the parents. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah, started their conference with that, you know, and um and, and again like, like I said, that to me was the, the least surprising um because it was just confirmed what I've seen for 40 years at homeschooling events.
0: Yeah, know? if you've ever been to a homeschooling conference, this was like a standard maybe not standard because they they chose a fair, fairly they, ideologically they a, diverse group yes. of parents. You know, you had the yeah. the, the military mom, who was like definitely school at home, high performance, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, all the way out to unschoolers and Mm -hmm. everything in between. So, yeah, I agree that that should have been first.
1: (laughs) I know sort of set the plate, but you know, they, they did set the, the tone, you know, with this research thing and, you know, and, and, and I appreciated that over time, you know, at first I was, Oh gosh, here we go. They're going to throw every, every test score and study at, at us, you know, based on school and going back to the international notes, I had a note here, you know, Albert Cheng, um, who was, um, the moderator, we should have more humility and, uh, a posture of learning from one another. And I thought that that was, you know, really good. And then he, he made a comment about, I believe it was him about how all these ideas are like John Dewey's, you know, learning by doing, getting the children involved in society. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it, it was just describing unschoolers, basically. You know? But uh, giving credit to Dewey, I was like, wait, that's John Holt. You know, yeah, Dewey preceded Holt, but Holt said, take him out of school. Dewey actually homeschooled his kids for a year, I understood. Huh. I understand. He took, him, he took him out of school. To, to try it you know um of course it wasn't called homeschooling then you know. but um you know and and i and i respect dewey's ideas and 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 i've read democracy in america and some other shorter things of his so i and I, there's definitely an alignment but it really cracks me up when when they they cite these things like here the the goal of public school is described by john dewey is best described by these homeschoolers and unschoolers <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, so, everyone, if you enjoyed our our summary of this post pandemic future of homeschooling conference, and you want to go back and uh, like see the primary source, you want to see what the, the research that was presented, you can do all of that by going to the the website for this conference. The videos are all uploaded there. Uh, you can verify that that Pat and I, you know, made a meaningful summary and analysis of this conference. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to put the link to that in the episode notes. Mm -hmm. Great. All right, well, we did it. Now there's only one other thing to discuss, Pat. The secret conference. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not that secret. Uh, As I mentioned in the beginning, this was supposed to be a real life conference that was gonna happen in June, 2020. And uh, for obvious reasons, it did not happen. They postponed it for a full year. And uh, I think I'm still not exactly, clear why I got invited to the conference I'm pretty sure it's because um, I had Elizabeth Bartholet James Dwyer and Rachel Coleman on my podcast uh, back in early 2020 and I think they they enjoyed those conversations enough to invite me because I was definitely kind of an outlier in this conference it was not apparently there's about 80 or 90 people attending it it was not possible to see who the other attendees were Uh, there were a few uh, kind of Discussion sections that you could optionally join and maybe 20 or thirty people joined uh, after the main sessions and so I got to have a little taste of who was attending this conference and it was definitely more um, academics and child welfare advocates and people from uh, you know from the legal profession this was not uh, people like me or like you, Pat, this is not like Mm -hmm. a lot of people with, with deep personal experience uh, regarding homeschooling or God forbid, unschooling. Um, Although there were (laughs) in attendance, uh, a a number of people who are associated with the coalition for responsible home education, the C-R-H-E. And Mm -hmm. a number of grown homeschoolers who had pretty similar and kind of tragic tales of, how they were n- neglected uh, in their families. And we'll talk about that. So that was the closest thing to you know, intimate experience with you know, homeschooling and homeschoolers that existed here. So this is definitely a conference for um, academics, for litigators. Uh, and they made it very clear from the beginning that this is more than just a conference to share ideas. This is a conference to discuss action. And, right. you know, actions that could severely uh, re- regulate and restrict the, a parent's ability to homeschool, a kid's ability to be homeschooled or unschooled. Uh, but before we jump into this, Pat, I want to ask you a question. And, okay. uh, this, is, this is based on, you know, they say you should never read the the comment section or you should never like read the reviews of something that you put out there well every once in a while mm-hmm. i look at uh reviews and someone reviewed my podcast and said great podcast but why did you give elizabeth bartholet a platform this lady wants to f- essentially ban homeschooling and you know you gave her a chance to to speak her her ideas uh, and i was a bit taken aback by that comment and mm-hmm. uh, I and I wonder how many other people think like, all right, Blake, what are you doing talking with these people who want to regulate and and you know highly restrict homeschooling? Why are you hanging around with them? Why are you, why are you discussing them? Shouldn't you just be ignoring them? Uh, I don't know how many people think that, but what do you think, Pat? Well, I I think we need to engage, especially if if someone's attacking
1: you, you should figure out like. Why? <laughs> you know? um, and uh, certainly, you know, at these early stages, you know, this is where, the, where a dialogue would be or, or at least trying some sort of uh, if dialogues impossible, just trying some sort of uh, arrive at some understanding of, of why they feel this way. <clears throat> and what 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 you can do i mean to just ignore it and put your head in the sand is not a smart move especially when it's coming from a place like harvard that's got connections all over the place to the public school system and government
0: mm.
1: you know um so heads up pay attention and let's hear what they have to say and you know looking at your notes i was not at this event i'm i'm obviously too toxic for this topic for <laughs> to these folks but uh but um at the same time, you know, Blake, you, you did a great job with your notes. I mean, you know, excellent. And so I've, I've got a good feeling of what the, you know, the three-day event was like. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't see why we need to be scared about talking about these things, you know. And so it's, it's like I've said to you on, on other topics. I, I'm really disturbed, you know, that that we can't, like, you know, on the one hand, people say, oh, you can't, you shouldn't even talk about these topics. It's like, well, that's how child abuse keeps getting perpetrated you know and we have to figure you know we do have to talk about these things and we do have to address them but we have to do it from uh a, a position of, of being informed and and um you know bartholette largely came at it uh from you know you, the book educated and then trying to spin it spin that out to other you know things for her presumptive ban on homeschooling in that initial article that, that she put there and um why you know we need you know she didn't engage. I mean she sort of just threw the gauntlet down to the homeschooling community. <laughs> it's not like you know there was there was any effort to reach out to the community, it's just like, oh, you guys are doing something terrible and I think it should be banned because she's got this position of power, everyone's gotta you know listens to her, you know, and, and so we have to pay attention to this. Um, so yeah, yeah, I have no problem t- uh, talking with her and, um, and uh, I applaud you for, uh, having, having the nerve and, um, the wherewithal to do it.
0: Well, uh, thanks for that perspective. And I definitely agree that if someone's going to come after something that you, you hold dear, something that you cherish and, and Pat, you and mm-hmm. I definitely cherish the, the freedoms to homeschool in your own way that we have in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely seek to understand their positions because if you're going to defend yourself, then you should at, at minimum be highly informed about the positions mm-hmm. that your opponents are going to take. And then you should also, I believe, you know, keep your mind open in some fundamental way. Uh, and maybe your mind will be changed a little That's bit. That's right. And, and I think That's by right. holding that position, you're much more likely uh, to possibly change the mind of the people who are uh, on the other side. So, absolutely. So that's the spirit mm-hmm. in which we, we, we move forward here is mm-hmm. trying to, trying to understand, keep up in minds while still defending the things we hold dear and trying to change other people's minds at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me just share what I, I heard and observed and, and what I reacted to in this conference, the, the summit uh, so it was three days, June 9th, 10th, and 11th, 2021, four hours each day, plus these optional uh, kind of extra things afterwards. And, oh boy, where to even start here? Those notes that you mentioned, Pat, um, I have made these notes public, and this is totally fine with Harvard's Child Advocacy Program, which is Elizabeth Barthollet's program. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any problem with me publishing these, and so I will also share notes to these raw notes, uh, excuse me, share the link to these raw notes in this episode description. So you can go check this out yourself. Mostly what stood out to me is that just like in the first session of the post pandemic conference, there were two large concerns voiced by these people who are essentially fighting for, for the rights of children and the welfare of children that that's their concern, Uh, Mm -hmm. they said, we wanna protect the, the subset of homeschoolers who are potentially abused in these really horrific ways. Uh, mm-hmm. We are also concerned about the broader educational and civic nature of homeschooling. And so I see it as, as a sort of two-pronged focus. One is about like pretty raw uh, abuse, maltreatment, neglect, uh, you know, very classic child welfare yeah. stuff. And then the second one I consider the, the more typical mainstream critique of homeschooling. It's like, but will they learn everything they need to learn? Will they be socialized? Mm-hmm. Will they be responsible citizens? And so the the conference was largely went down these two tracks. And in the end, I think there was much more uh, unanimous concern about the child welfare stuff, the maltreatment stuff than there was, there was much more disagreement about the, the need for you know, heavy-handed regulation to ensure uh, educational or civic outcomes. Also, mm-hmm. everyone in this conference are totally committed believers in the the ideals of public schools. And they believe right. in the potential of meaningful public school reform. And it was said over and over again by many different participants, you know, we should be focusing on on making the public schools even better so that homeschoolers... There are fewer people who even feel the need to homeschool. And, and so this, mm-hmm. this ideal is, is very strong within the group that was attending this summit. Um, mm-hmm. So let me just quickly talk about like the main concerns regarding child welfare and then the educational civic stuff. And then I'll, I'll talk about the concrete suggestions um, that they put forth. So for child welfare, we're talking about like torture, physical abuse, sexual abuse, food deprivation, physical confinement, medical neglect. That was the very high level stuff. Um, this is the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that the CRHE, Co- Coalition for Responsible Home Education, reports on. And, and they like aggregate, you know, every once in a while, you'll see these stories of, of horrible things happening to families that were legally homeschool or, or, you know, kids that were in legally homeschooling families. And they aggregate all this stuff. And it, even though they can't really show that, that this stuff happens at a higher rate statistically among homeschoolers than it does Mm -hmm. any other kid, you know, they're still, and I think, you know, rightfully concerned that, that this stuff can happen at all, that, that a kid can be like locked in their room and, you know, only fed rice. I think that was one of the stories that Mm -hmm. came out and uh, it's pretty horrific stuff. They're also concerned about, uh, labor trafficking so sort of like with Tara Westover and educated kind of you know parents forcing mm-hmm. their kids to to do manual labor for the family uh, gender-based discrimination mm-hmm. religious indoctrination and just all flavors of parental domination uh, something that mm-hmm. stood out to me as a specific example in the summit was that some parents may may hold important documents hostage to prevent a kid from from leaving, like especially a teenager from leaving, like holding the birth certificate hostage or not filling out a FAFSA form so the kid can get, uh, you know, student loans mm-hmm. to go to college. Um, mm-hmm. And we heard from two grown homeschoolers who both came from like big families that were very religious. Uh, you know, they were both females. They were encouraged to marry early, to not go to college. There was clear flavor of like parental dominance and child submission and uh, parents that seem to have been radicalized by various books and, or by religious oriented homeschooling groups. Uh, And something that really stood out to me that one of them said was the possible benefits to a few children who are homeschooled is not worth the loss to all the other homeschooling alumni. And so that was, that was a, a very clear statement that, that this person thinks that because there are some kids who are, you know, really sheltered and abused and they're, you know, all these doors are closed off to them. You know, watching out for the welfare of this small group of kids is more important than the benefits that come to all these other homeschoolers who are doing just fine. Um, mm-hmm. that seems to be the, the crux of the, the moral argument here regarding mm-hmm. child welfare. Um, mm-hmm. And then for academic and social development, this is stuff that I think we've heard and, and you and I have already talked about uh, in the, the last episode, Pat, but the idea is the parents should have, uh, you know, minimum credentials. Uh, they should be able to, To to prove that they can be effective, competent teachers, that there was a very big, a clear focus on the concept of teaching over learning, here, like this um, classic.
1: I I made a note to that effect too. (laughs) Yeah, this this
0: classic idea that homeschooling means parents are teachers, not, you know, kids are empowered learners.
1: There really did seem to be, you know, a a a real misunderstanding among a lot of a a lot of the folks in this in in the second conference about you know how homeschooling operates on a daily basis for a lot of people. I I
0: agree. It was pretty clear that there was not much direct exposure to uh, homeschoolers, or if if there was, it's it was probably very brief. And you know, Mm -hmm. they had uh, Milton Gaither and Robert Kuntzman on there, who are these these two researchers who also mm-hmm. appeared in the post-pandemic conference and they did the big review paper on the outcomes of homeschooling. And they essentially yeah. said, you know, regarding educational, social and civic outcomes, uh, you pretty much don't have to worry. It's, it's kind of equal between uh, homeschoolers mm-hmm. and non-homeschooled kids, or there's not enough evidence to, to make a meaningful conclusion. Um, right. So mm-hmm. th- that was a bit of a, of uh, something that didn't really add up. It's like they said, well, we don't really have to worry about this stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, Jim Dwyer and Elizabeth Bartholet went on and said, well, and here are all the, the very significant changes we need to make to ensure that they're right. not educationally <laughs> deprived or unsocialized. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. so those were the two main threads of this mm-hmm. conference. Uh, so before we start talking mm-hmm. about their proposed, regulations like the concrete changes that were thrown out here and this is what i appreciated about this this summit pat is that it really felt like the gloves came off and in this this little group of people who are all you know centered around the 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 pillar of child welfare you know there were some pretty stringent policy proposals put on the table yeah for for, (laughs) for regulating homeschooling. But let's go back to just the, the two broad concerns for child welfare and for educational, social, and civic outcomes. Uh, how do you feel about these concerns? Do you feel like they're warranted? Do you feel like they're reasonable? Well, child welfare is
1: certainly, absolutely uh, a topic that we need to address and, and uh, of concern. And I'm glad that the group is, is looking at that. Um, this idea of, will they be good citizens? I mean, the research, the as you said, like Kunzman and, and Gafur presented their research and showed it, and you know, other other, I've, I've seen this addressed in many different ways over the years. Um, that seems to me to, to almost be a, a red herring. Um, well, it is a red herring, I'll say. It. I mean, why? You know, it, it, it's like, why do they point out? I mean, uh, that you know, there's there's this level of. Um, ignorance about civic duty among homeschoolers as compared to people who go to public school. And a couple of them, or one of them, I'm looking through your notes real quick, cited January 6th insurrection, you know, Trump's big lie. And, um, you know, and and I was just kind of thinking, I said, wait a minute. I'll bet you if you surveyed that that crowd, three-quarters of them are public school or private school graduates as opposed to homeschoolers. <laughs> I'd even be surprised if it was a quarter of them were homeschooled. So where, where, where are you getting all this evidence that that just going to school and graduating from, from a, a public school makes you a good citizen? You know, I mean, you know, r- right now, you know, f- what is a Four out of I mean, there's a huge number of, of people who uh, believe that you know, Q and QAnon, you know, I mean, and they're and they're all you know, public school graduates, and not all just a bunch of homeschoolers from rural areas or something like that. This is, you know, yeah, it, well, it, we, it we don't know. Selective. We we
0: presume that, uh, but yeah, but I share that seems presumption. Seems very
1: selective to me the way they threw it out there. And the other the other thing is that the, and this comes up in patches throughout and then towards the end, um, when the guy from Columbia Teachers College and um, the um, NEA guy come in, you know, they talk about, um, you know, schools need school reform, school reform. But wait a minute, <laughs> you know. If you study, you know, the history of homeschooling, you'll realize that there's this person, John Holt, who was a very active school reformer in the 60s and 70s. And he actually gave up on school reform, saying, "Take your kids out because they they're not serious they're just yeah. you know, incre and, and you know and John's not the only one he's the one that that came up with a different solution, but people like herb Cole and um, Jonathan Kozol, I mean they kept cursing the schools while they kept trying to reform them and they haven't gotten any better in fact they've gotten more schoolish they've gotten more te- yeah. there's longer hours, more tests more more penalties you know." Um, You know, for not learning what what you're supposed to learn in school. So how how can they say that we should stop homeschooling today in order to make public schools better tomorrow?
0: (laughs) And as you know, my gateway into this world was John Taylor Gatto, who tried Mm -hmm. really hard to do cool things in public schools, had some successes, but a lot of failures and won all the awards and then decided to hell with this. I'm going to quit and I'm going to go start promoting all of these small scale alternatives. He was a big fan of Sudbury schools, big fan of homeschooling and unschooling. You know, he never said, you know, defund the public schools, but he was a fan of the idea of putting a sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, market pressure onto public schools by saying we should, you know, let kids opt out and this, this will force the public schools to get better. And I see that as an equally plausible idea for improving public schools. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is why mm-hmm. it, the whole charter school thing is a, is a hornet's nest. But uh, yeah. I do think that in, in general, if kids are allowed to go to, to non-mainstream public schools, then that can be a force for good ultimately on those public schools. It's it's, it's kind of like the, you know, tough love, shape up or, or ship out. Uh, One of the things that, that
1: really just keeps leaping out of me as I read, because, you, you know, notes a single space. Go on, I don't know how many pages, but it's quite a few. And, you know, really, uh, they go into a lot of detail at, at this event about, like, new laws, new ways, you know, mandatory visits, tw- twice a year, annual, twice a year evaluations, all sorts of proposals like that. And, you know, and I and every now and then, you know, you, you'll see uh, somebody say like, well, um, why, why not make the schools more welcoming of homeschoolers? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, as my first thought, if you want to get the kid, if you want to see homeschoolers and, you know, have them in, 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 under the eyes of mandatory reporters, make the schools more inviting to homeschoolers. And, yeah. and, and, and all these places for 40 years, they've, they've had the same platform. No, we don't want anything to do with homeschoolers. You're either in or out. You're a danger to public schools and to society. You know, we've been hearing that over and over. But you know, he, here in Massachusetts, and I know that this is a thing that Jim Dwyer and, uh, and those guys would not like because it's local control. You know, each local school district, um, you know, deals with it. So we had a, a friendly superintendent who let our daughter take Spanish class in the local public school, even though she was not counted in the average daily attendance formula. They didn't get extra money for her or anything. His attitude was. She's a student in my school district, and I'm happy to help her learn. Yeah,
0: and what's the problem? <laughs> something that I liked was that uh, there was a couple of different representatives from the CRHE, and while I feel like they they sometimes go overboard with their suggested regulations as sort of reacting to what, what seems to be the the you know collective trauma of of all these grown homeschoolers who came from these fairly repressive uh, you know religious environments. Uh, one thing that they did bring up was this uh, Alaska study and just the whole idea Mm -hmm. of the approach of the state of Alaska, which is to offer a financial incentive for homeschoolers to sort of do have some minimal participation in the public school system. And, Mm -hmm. and that they presented that as a win-win. And they also had this very interesting study, which I've not gone into depth yet, but it showed that actually the, the the more underprivileged, Um, homeschoolers, (laughs) right? They called them correspondence students, but homeschoolers Mm -hmm. in Alaska were actually the ones who made uh, the the greatest gains. And, and that, I mean, that's a very compelling argument right there. And so uh, Alaska seems like an interesting model to pay attention to in terms of, yeah, making, you know, public school resources more attractive. So you can still homeschool on your own or you can homeschool with a little extra money and you'll be seen by a mandatory reporter on some regular basis mm-hmm. but and mm-hmm. you're still largely allowed to do your own thing. I agree that that that's a much right. more appealing direction to go if we have to talk about significant reforms than the the more heavy-handed stuff that was presented in this summit. Yeah. And then the the
1: other thing that that kind of went went by the wayside here
0: um, I
1: think Jim Dwyer mentioned it, or someone, but it only got, got mentioned once. Is, is this idea of um, you know, if checking criminal records and, and seeing if someone has you know has a record of child abuse? Yeah, Bartholet mentions it in, in uh, two. Now I think out loud in looking at your notes here, but you know, the argument against that. Is that uh, I've heard from, from many parents who've, who've or, or adults who've ha- had run ins with the system, is that there's, you know, you know ex wives who have, a, 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 or husbands who have access to grind can report you to the CPS, Child Protective Services, or, you know, um, just, just to a subtler grudge. is a lot of misinformation yeah. in these records, blah, blah, blah. So let's fix them. <laughs> let's let's make the system work. It's there, you know. I mean, the the it, child it, protective it, system, the, the the reporting system, so that you know, you know, you can you know look back and say, oh, this person has no history of child abuse, has never you know uh, had, had had any. Um, criminal activity and so on, you know, of course, you know, and, and then, and then even then it should, should be judged on a case by case basis. Like if it was for shoplifting, a,
0: a pack of gum, come on, yeah, you know, yeah. why would that
1: prevent you from teaching your so, child
0: at home? So this is a good time. I, I summarized all of the concrete proposals that were put forth in this summit. And so these are all from different people. Uh, if you want to know exactly who said what you can go read through the notes. Uh, but mm-hmm. here are some of the concrete proposals um, regarding the child welfare stuff, the the maltreatment and abuse. So there's a bunch of child protective services related suggestions. I know very little about child protective services, and so uh, just as a caveat, let's mm-hmm. see. One suggestion was um, that if there are families with previous child protective service cases, that then suddenly disenroll their kid from school, that should lead to some sort of mandatory CPS contact, because apparently that's the big main indicator of of something horrible is about to happen, which is a lot of previous contact with child protective services, and then a family decides to to pull their kid out of school. That that seems Mm -hmm. to be an established pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. Others said, you know, you can't homeschool if you have a pending child protective services report. That seems like a type of situation where like the, the ex with a grudge could really use this to, to wield it over you. uh, As -hmm. you just mentioned, Pat Mm -hmm. Um, periodic check-ins like every 30, 60, 90 days after a CPS case closes. Uh, If there's a substantiated finding of abuse or neglect, the family shouldn't be allowed to homeschool at all. I think that's Barthollet's suggestion. Yep. Um, If a child Mm -hmm. or a sibling has Uh, a founded report of abuse and neglect in the past 18 months. The family can still homeschool, but they have to be monitored by a child welfare agency for between six to 24 months. So this is a lot of talk of, yeah, child protective services getting really involved in -hmm. in the lives of families. Um, Mm -hmm. There's other suggestions for registration. I I found these interesting in the sense that, I didn't realize that we don't have anything like this in the United States. But Essentially, the, the suggestion was there should be some sort of registration of kids like beyond a birth certificate, either at birth or maybe starting at age five. And essentially, a kid gets a tracking number. And, and so every kid has sort of like a student ID number that follows them. And this is a way in which kids could never fall between the cracks and you know that a kid is either in public school or private school or is supposed to be homeschooled. And so they can be checked in with, Uh, what do you think Pat? Like on one hand, this is very big brother-ish, uh, on the other hand, what we heard from the post pandemic conference was like, well, the most basic thing we need to do is just have all homeschoolers register. So we actually know that they exist. Well,
1: you know, <laughs> the devil's in the details. <clears throat> <laughs> the general idea is good. You know, I think every child should be recognized, but I, I'm i not crazy at all about the idea for the big brotherish ideas that you put, put forth about, you know, the idea of a, uh, giving them a special number when they're five and it's going to follow them. Um, I mean, they're uh, you supposed
0: to have social security numbers already. I
1: was going to say, that was my first, my next thought is like, why can't we just, use, why, we, why do we have to keep adding layers and layers of bureaucracy on top of this this issue? You know, it's like, let's figure out like what, the tools we have now, make them sharper and work properly. And, um, and why not use someone's social security number? Have they been so, so badly compromised? I don't know. I mean, I, I've had mine stolen. Someone filed a tax return under my name one year. So, <laughs> you know, and and, and then l- look at a va- vaccine, uh, you know, the vaccine cards, right? Um, the, the debate going on right now. This is one of the things that that really kind of surprised me um, overall about the notes. It's like, you know, the, these lawyers, yeah, they work at you know Ivy League elite schools, and they're they're well trained and super smart. But what about the states? <laughs> you know i mean they act like we're just going to pass this federal law it's going to cut you know it's going to cut through it's just like i uh, growing you know growing up in the homeschooling movement in the 80s i can't tell you how many times i heard this is a states rights rights issue made me look it up and then and then you know with the black lives matter movement i realized even more like how states rights is tied to slavery and, the, and, and goes all the way back to that mm-hmm. you know um, and, and so it's, it's a very thorny issue, but the idea that they're that, that just going kind to of flat out have a federal law that, that, that can do this, that is, that's very aspirational thinking.
0: Yeah. In the end, when they talked about specific litigation strategies, there was a big focus on amending state constitutions instead of federal level policy. There seems to be mm-hmm. hope that the positive right to an education, however defined, is much more likely to be enacted at the state level. Uh, yeah. So uh, just going on with uh, the specific prescriptions for dealing with abuse, uh, you know, we've already discussed this, but seeing outside adults. So it could look like mm-hmm. mandated visits to pediatricians on an annual or semi-annual basis. Uh, one person suggested an annual assessment by a therapist or other health provider to sort of assess mental health. Um, w- and one interesting suggestion was, <laughs> That we should make more people mandatory reporters, including midwives, because, you know, mm-hmm. the types of families who are going to be off the grid are also not participating in the mainstream healthcare system, and they're doing home births. And so if we make midwives mandatory reporters, then they will, I don't know what the, the idea here is like.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't seem very they're, they're, they're feasible to me. Even school age kids. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs>
0: while they're giving birth to it to a kid, they're just going to notice that there's a malnourished eight year old in the corner, like this.
1: Yeah, yeah are you so yeah. distracted
0: while you're <laughs> delivering a baby? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know,
1: I, again, like. Getting, you know getting children more and, and again this I know there's an idea that John, John Holt put forth many times but you know he wasn't the only one and back in history children were part of adult society you know we put them in the educational silo at the turn of the 19 in the late 19th century and and we've built a bigger silo <laughs> ever since then you know, to keep more and more kids in you know. So um, let's get them out of the silo. Let's get them more exposed. Let's get them in the community. So if they have more interactions,
0: more people will know them. And and to the credit of of many people in this conference, they said the stuff that we're proposing is stuff that most like good homeschooling families already do. You know, their their kids see see pediatricians, their kids see outside adults and participate and socialize with other kids. And I'm like, yeah. That's right. And, you know, we're all just acting on right. this presumption that, that because we don't have total information about mm-hmm. the, the number of homeschoolers out there, that there theoretically could be this large shadowy subset of highly confined, abused and neglected kids. Uh, when, when we go out there and we actually talk to people who are homeschooling, you know, by and large, and the people in, this, in the summit recognize this, you know, th- these kids are, are fine. They're they're healthy. They're they're within the normal spectrum of of you know behavior and competence. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: and then you know the issue of chores. I mean, you mentioned early on in the conversation, you know, how, how they're saying about child labor. But you know, if you live in a farm, you're you know, that's, you know, what's the problem? Yeah, you help feed the chickens. You help. Yeah. You, you help do stuff. You know, there was an article. I, I think I mentioned this. I I don't know if it was to you or somebody else, but there was an article in the New York Times a few, uh, maybe a month ago, where, like, it was an advice column for parents saying, is it okay to let your kids do chores? And, like, they asked all these psychiatrists and and child counselors, is it okay? And, of course, most of them said yes, you know, of course, you know, because it it gives children a sense of self-efficacy. And it's like do we really need the permission of somebody <laughs> you know, to help say, uh, say it's okay for my child to help me wash the dishes? <laughs> you know? yeah. And, you know, and again, it shows like a general misunderstanding of how all this works. Cause I was not homeschooled, but I remember wanting to help around the house. I yeah, wanted to use
0: yeah. the lawnmower. I wanted to help cook. <laughs> you know, like, and what John Taylor oh, Gatto on. said is if kids don't feel useful, then they feel useless. And that's you know, right. If we're yeah, considering he had a turn a phrase, didn't he? <laughs> he? He really did. His other my other favorite John Gattoism was genius is as common as dirt. I love that. So yeah. you know, if we just keep as our default assumption that kids do want to participate in in society and they want to like be part of communities because that's where virtually everyone derives a sense of meaning, then that means that they they do want to participate, they they do want to do stuff, not all work is is oppressive like i think what people are concerned about when it comes to labor trafficking is you know forcing a kid to to do 12 hours of of handicraft when the kid mm-hmm. really wants to be you know watching mm-hmm. youtube videos about skateboarding mm-hmm. or learning french or you know something like that
1: right or or like you know as i've described in um educated you know making making them do difficult dangerous yeah, work, da- like dangerous roofing. work
0: in in your dad's <laughs> junkyard
1: yeah, without any proper safety mechanisms. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that—that's. Uh, but that would be true regardless of whether they're homeschooling or not. You know, yeah. if you had adult employees in that situation, you know. And, and that's so another we, thing
0: that that was conceded in this summit, especially by by was that parents still have a ton of time with their kids, regardless of whether they're homeschooled or they go to school. They still have a lot of time to influence their kids and to do all, you know, these extracurricular activities, and so. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but then yeah, I can already but they hear. Under,
1: right. But what they don't understand is that some parents enjoy being with their children and watching and helping them learn. It's as simple as that. It's uh, not, I, yeah. I,
0: I don't think that's lost in them. They're just concerned about this, this nefarious subset of parents mm-hmm. who are radicalized, who really want to dominate their kids. Uh, right. So. But
1: that's a, so yeah. And, and that, that gets really difficult because, you know, um, I'm, you know, I mean. So, so the whole issue, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but the whole issue of of like, you know, um, not letting a a, a a daughter go to college because a daughter has to be a wife, yeah. right? Uh, that that's their religious belief. Well, you know, um, the Amish in uh, in a couple of court cases, you know, Yoda versus Wisconsin, I think. Uh, Anyway, you know, they said, "Yeah, you know, the, you know you're a religious community, and you, know, you can live the way you need to live." <laughs> you know, and and you know, but then you know, we're we're stuck in in, in America, and not stuck, but we live in America, and you know, there there are certain rights that you're supposed to have, and you know, I think uh, young ladies and men should should have the choice and and do have the choice of deciding what they want to do, particularly after they they reach the. Uh, what do I want to say 16 or 18, I guess it's 18 now, you know? So, you know, what do you do, you know, are, are we just going to flip over all those laws, you know, about that, that do grant special permission to religious communities?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, the I, issue of religion you know? is so tied up in all of this and, and oh, a lot of the, the barriers to, to legal change as reported by the lawyers that were in this summit uh, are directly connected to, you know, protection from religious persecution and from being singled out because of your, your religious influence lifestyle. And that's a very American mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one thing yeah. that Barthollet said, uh, which I appreciated was that her, her aim is to just make sure that every kid has a minimum exposure to other viewpoints and gains basic skills to, to function in the world. Mm-hmm. Like when it's phrased like right. that, I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. Right. Uh, it's just that then her concrete proposals tend to, to go way overboard for
1: oh, me. They're very schoolish is put them in a class and into a public school where they will meet people with different viewpoints. Well, what about, you know, 4-H? What about, you know, getting the, you know, f- creating clubs that, that do have or uh, deliberately have.
0: So, a, a makeup of different that, people. That's part of, of Jim Dwyer's propositions uh, in, a, in addition to um, having parents have a, a minimum credential level and to have a, a plan for, you know, to his credit, he's, he's like, we shouldn't require just like traditional academic subjects to be covered because public school is not a great uh, kind of waypoint you know, a Mm -hmm. great standard to follow. They should be given a lot of flexibility in their approach, but still he wants a clear plan for for learning and teaching. He also wants like a written plan for socialization. And and that's an interesting concept because in one way it just feels very bureaucratic and it's in the same way that parents get around these sort of draconian (laughs) homeschool regulations today. I can imagine that happening in the future, Mm -hmm. But, but if you did have to acquiesce to that sort of requirement you could say, yeah, my kid's going to go to 4-H and my kid's going to do this homeschool class. Uh, and mm-hmm. again, this is what most homeschooling and unschooling families are already doing. Right. Uh, let, let me just finish with the, the concrete proposals for, uh, for addressing neglect, uh, Pat. So sure. screening parents, uh, screen proposed homeschoolers for any civil or criminal child abuse history, Um, and look, be on the lookout for repeated offenders, because again, that seems to be directly linked to, uh, you know, really bad things are about to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, oversight, uh, you know, Elizabeth Bartholet wants home visits by CPS and, you know, and she recognizes that's probably not going to fly. And so other people say, well, uh, you know, the kids should, should be monitored, but, but it probably shouldn't be in the home. Uh, And so the the idea that a lot of people seem to coalesce around was that um, you can require homeschoolers to attend at least some public school courses and extracurricular activities. And Bartholet even said that she believes this is the single best protection and the single best reform that could be enacted. Um, And in her mind, this is going to public school like once a week, although she did say, or even daily, Excuse me, daily. Uh, so going to let's let's go with once a week here, where they can be seen by mandatory reporters and develop yeah. trust and relationship with teachers. And this all is consistent with her her idea that if a kid is seen by non-parental adults who are mandatory reporters on a regular basis, then that that minimizes the chance of the worst kind of abuses being perpetrated. And uh, it, uh there was a good amount of discussion about like well w- why are we trying to reform homeschooling when there's there's very few laws on the books about private schools like won't these homeschoolers just then go enroll in some unregulated mm-hmm. private school and Barthollet responded to that as a, as a question and said well yes that's still concerning but at least then they'll be seen by these non-parental adults so that this is really her her big concern and that and that is her big <sighs> desire how does that sit with you pat and and have you heard this suggestion be made before that homeschoolers oh, yeah. should be a- forced to attend some public school
1: oh yeah i have and um for you know the idea that you know my my understanding of the compulsory school law is that you know, you you can be educated otherwise. It's not like there's only one way to do it, um, which is why we allow private schools. And I do think that that's a a valid and something that that really needs to be looked at, um, that if if you're going to ban homeschooling, then you're effectively banning private schools. And, you know, you you should really, you know, take a look at that. And um, and frankly, I, I'm not even sure that Barthollet's reasoning is all that sound in terms of private schools, because religious schools only want people of the same religion and so on. So, wouldn't there be a uniformity of opinion and stuff as to, you know, as to you know what switch to use to discipline the student body, and you know how you know how we should uh, shun certain students, you know, who, who exhibit certain behavior. I mean, it's not going to prevent it, you know. People from 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 forming such things, you know. Um, I I appreciate the uh, again, like you know, that we need to protect children, you know, and we need to to help them learn, but we don't necessarily do that by forcing them to go to school or a a mandatory reporters office. You know, I mean, it, it should it should be more flowing with 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 life like and, and having more experiences where children and adults can interact and and more there will be more eyes on the child and um, I think that that would be a a, a much better approach you know to, to just figure out other ways and places for children to be beside school for those who don't want to be there and we're seeing it with learning centers places like um, well, you know what I'm, where I'm going. Well, like right. Liberated learner all, all,
0: centers, agile yeah, learning the, centers. All the
1: alternatives to school that, that are slowly emerging. You know, I wish they would come out stronger. And who knows? Maybe the pandemic will drive a demand for it, you know, the post-pandemic. But, um, and I hope it does. But at the same time, you know, children need to be raised by somebody. You know, And um, I think that we want to keep them with their families as much as possible and And families need a break, you know it's been been tough. I mean, you know, incomes are low, it's been been very hot, hot hard uh, because the cost of college and the cost of education overall has risen. It costs a thousand dollars a month on average if you want to send your kids to private school now so yeah, you know, um you know, we need more options and you know in schooling, as Jim Dwyer points out and, and I have to say like uh, of all the proposals he, you know and again he's he, he gave uh, a really uh, detailed uh, presentation in his book uh, homeschooling the history and philosophy of a controversial uh, practice you know um, and I certainly have reservations about some of his, his proposals but I think that he's he's at least making a fair and balanced effort of trying to I agree I
0: agree, I agree. what
1: this issue is if, if you're yeah.
0: listening and you you want to get Deeper into this, definitely read that book. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot to, to disagree with. There's a lot where it still feels like it's it's overreaching because even his his minimal reform suggestions would be way more restrictive than the the most maximally restrictive, like the state of New York right now. Um, it, exactly. it's, it's definitely moving in the direction of of European levels of, of homeschooling regulation. But you right. can just sense you know the the sort of respect for. Um, for the individualization, the mm-hmm. as you said, Pat, the sort of you know, going with the flow, uh, honoring the the parent-child relationship. Uh, and and mm. he just doesn't come off as as having this,, uh, almost like, you know, public school true believer, uh, right. Uh, right. missionary like- feeling that that Barthollet often presents.
1: And, and many of the other people, uh, the NEA guy and, uh, oh, of course, some other people, you know, they're all, you know, they're all over like, you know, make it, make them go to school make it more like school. But there was one, I'm looking for this comment that you highlighted from the chat that I, oh,
0: thought I, I was think really I know. Spot on. Uh, is it from yeah, a, Emily Putnam Hornstein? Yes. Okay. Yes. This, I was actually about, about, about to read that. this. Bring that up. Yeah. Oh, so good. she, she's not a, a homeschooling specific researcher. She focuses on child abuse and neglect. And there was a couple of things she said in the discussion. She said, uh, the first thing was, I appreciate all these ideas and solutions, but none of them feel practical or realistic. I think we're making the mistake of trying to reform the entire educational system than trying to identify a relatively small subset of families who should not be able to homeschool. Yeah, amen. And then <laughs> right? she goes on <laughs> to say, "You know, sorry for being a broken record, but I think this is a flawed strategy families across the political spectrum are disillusioned by how the teachers unions and public schools have met the needs of children during the last year and the entire notion that public school meets the needs of children is being questioned it's not about gang-ridden schools this is about your average parent who cares about education i'm I'm sort of rapidly summarizing her comment here Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just not understanding what the strategy is. We should not be attacking homeschooling. We should be advocating for reasonable restrictions as to who can homeschool. And so I, I really like that. I, I because underlined she, that
1: she, sentence and wrote, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, She has a laser focus on what I think is the legitimate concern of this summit, mm-hmm. which is this very small, very, very, I think it's an extremely small subset of families mm-hmm. who are committing these atrocities and using homeschooling laws as a cover like there should be surgical precision here to if you're going to do any reforms it should only be targeted at at preventing those extreme cases and doing minimal collateral damage to all the other homeschooling families along the way Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i always remember when i john holt you know saying hard cases make bad law
0: oh well done john Holt.
1: Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, these are hard cases, but you can't, you know, to generalize that as you, as you and I discussed, you know, I I keep coming up with even more contradictions and issues like, (laughs) wow, especially when you get into the religious end of it. Yeah.
0: So I, I could go on and summarize all of the suggestions for like the educational and social and civic reforms but this is stuff you've heard before it's you know ha- have a got to have know, a plan you got to have evaluation mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know but mandatory Blake, you public know, th- school enrollment
1: yeah one, one thing that i can't you know, i'm looking through my notes here at the very end of of, of of all the notes i wrote why isn't banning corporal
0: punishment considered uh, can where, you explain wo- explain that I, i'm not sure what, where are you are going with that
1: um, well, the UK um, and and many countries have banned corporal punishment of children, you know, in schools and out of schools. Okay. It's, it's just not correct, socially correct, to beat children.
0: Okay, I don't know anything um, about this. Go on,
1: you know, And so I would like like to know more um, why why they feel that um, because you know, 19 states allow corporal punishment in schools. It's on the books. You can use a paddle to hit a kid in the school. You know, why can't we ban that? And then of course we know that, you know, in the conservative Christian community, you know, goodness, there are books on Amazon by
0: the Pearl family. I believe they're called.
1: That yeah, you, like, there
0: was a lot of discussion about that in, in the summit, how there there's like, yeah, clear I mean, literature out there for like how to hit kids without leaving bruises, the, this, yeah, this strategy yeah. of total domination.
1: Like, yeah. So it's just like, come on. I mean, while we may not be able to ban, you know, religious practices that, that make women subservient to man, men, um, at the same time, we can certainly ban corporal punishment because that's physical damage that's plain, you know, plainly against the law,
0: you know? And, and something uh, that, that Jim Dwyer led with in this conference was the idea that, you know, we don't think it's appropriate to give any person, any human being, total control over the life of another human being. You know that that is what is potentially enabled by you know uh, lack of of any form of meaningful oversight uh, of homeschooling in terms of parents being able to do that with their kids. You know, I, so I continue to appreciate where he's coming from. He's coming from a very like child centered, like children are people too, uh, mm-hmm. approach and mm-hmm. and and what you're talking about with with. You know, banning corporal punishment. I do feel like a lot of these people are coming from from this good place of saying, like, we need some meaningful way to at least know if a kid is being horrifically abused. You know, just Mm -hmm. just that we have to speak up for these voiceless people. Right, but it's a shame that their solution is always
1: then to put it in some like impersonal situation, like a school or an orphanage. You know, a group home. Yeah, you know, it's like we we have to come up with with better ideas here. You know, um, in in solutions than 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 that. You know, because
0: we we know that they're not working as well. You know, but one of the the litigators who was discussing strategy on the third day of the summit said something that stuck out to me. Uh, and I want to get your take on this, Pat. He said, the successful homeschoolers, i.e. the privileged and middle-class ones, are defending the system of non-regulation that leads to abuse. We need to call out these people. I, I'm pretty sure he's talking about uh, the, the types of homeschoolers that that you and I know a lot of, and, and we have formed our impressions of homeschooling uh, based upon. Uh, do you feel like you are... are uh, complicit part of defending this system of non-regulation that leads to abuse? Is is there blood on your hands, Pat? Is there blood on my hands? Well,
1: uh, I've certainly protested certain regulations. I live in a state that has some regulation, you know, that has regulations, you know, so, you know, and, and I'm comfortable with them, uh, you know, so I, you know, but the idea that Just having a regulation is going to make something better, and that regulation is just to put the kid in school. That's that's where I think a a lot of people are, you know, particularly middle class uh, privileged, as you put it, uh, successful homeschoolers uh, would wonder, like, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, successful, I'm I'm looking at your note here, defending the system of non-regulation that leads to abuse, we need to call out these people. Um, what does he, you know, he wants to dox people who def- who say that homeschooling should not be regulated? Um, you know, at some point, when you know, when does regulation of homeschooling start and regulation of parenting begin? You know, um, it's a th- then it becomes that line, um, mm-hmm. and it, it really becomes. You know, th- this is where it gets so broad. Like, again, like just getting back to a very specific thing. How do we prevent, you know, uh, h- how did that woman put it? Um, well, oh, man.
0: Essentially, the, 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 most, the most egregious oh, yeah. cases. Reasonable.
1: Yeah. 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 How do we advocate hard for reasonable restrictions as to who can homeschool? Reasonable restrictions of who can homeschool. That makes <laughs> that makes a lot more sense to me yeah. than these, you know, these really broad, you know, let, let's go after, let, let, let's let call out all these middle-class people who support non-regulation,
0: um, but, you know. So to, maybe we can wrap up on, on a note of like, what would be, if we had to accept some level of reform, uh, you know, what would be this, this minimal kind of surgical strike uh Type of reform that would do the least damage to those uh, families that are successfully homeschooling, uh, or or even struggling with homeschooling, but will eventually become successful, uh, while you know, hopefully mitigating the worst harm to those uh, kids who are being homeschooled as a cover. Um, like, I'll go first, Pat, and then okay. you can tell me what what you're thinking. Uh, what seemed clear from the presentations on child abuse was that if a family has had multiple CPS cases and reports brought against them, that there's this, there's this trend that if they then pull their kids out of school, then, um, you know, then like you find the kid chained to the radiator or not fed for weeks or or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, beaten. So, that seems like a pretty reasonable threshold like if if you have been reported multiple times already and then you are trying to go underground so that you can no longer be reported you know Mm -hmm. i I could see a case for for heightened um state involvement with those families Mm -hmm. and i don't think that would threaten the vast majority of families who are totally responsible and have nothing to do with Child Protective Services. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, I think the background mm-hmm. checks, uh, I don't know why these are so vociferously uh, fought against. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. This seems like a fairly common sense proposal. Uh, and But like well, you said, it, it shouldn't be tied to minor infractions. It, it should be like, all right, if you already have a a a history, a criminal history of, of being sort of abuser, then, then I I don't know, should you, maybe you should never be allowed to homeschool. Maybe there should be some, some time period you have to wait. I don't know. That seems reasonable to me also. And that's not going to affect the vast majority of people and make it so that Mm -hmm. it, it, you can't use it as this bludgeoning tool that like, yeah, one ex-spouse can use to, to prevent you know, their ex from homeschooling. Yeah.
1: I know, like, you know, um, I'm going to teach uh, magic in a, summer, in a YMCA summer camp uh, this summer. And, you know, I've got to have a quarry uh, done on me, um, which I've done before a background because check. Yeah. Uh, background check. I've taught after school programs
0: of yeah. magic again. <laughs> I do that when I hire uh, trip leaders for unschool adventures trips. Yeah. Exactly. We do a, a national background check. Of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, I've heard people, um, particularly uh, people who've been incarcerated, saying that the Cori system is really bad because it prevents them from getting work after they've served their sentences. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of bad data in there. So, yeah, but again, like I said, right at the top, let's clean it up. Let's take our existing tools and make them work instead yeah. of just keep them in place and add another layer of bureaucracy. Yeah. Like the, the social
0: security numbers. I, I agree. So, yeah. so, and the, the last thing that, I feel like I can get behind is if you're going to have to require homeschoolers to see some sort of outside adult who is a mandated reporter, then, you know, what's, what's the type of person that they're probably already going to be seen anyways, like a pediatrician, a a doctor, Mm -hmm. if you mandated that, you know, once a year, a homeschool, you know, a pediatrician has to see a homeschooler to just report that there's no like bruises mm-hmm. on their body uh you know mm-hmm. that seems very non-invasive uh to me um this whole idea of like assessment by a therapist jeez that sounds very clockwork orange uh, yeah I, I don't think and, so. and the
1: other thing just to throw this out though is like a lot and i and i believe someone raised this actually in the in, in, in your notes um Not everyone can afford an annual
0: visit. I mean,
1: (laughs) I know this is so tied to like other issues of like (laughs) who pays
0: for healthcare. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. And
1: again, like you know, you know, everyone wants to separate the issue out, just make it about education. You know, and it's just like, but it's. You're talking about children and families and society here. That's what John realized. He started off as, you know, reforming his classroom. And he says, no, all we have to do is reform the world, reform society to make this work.
0: Yeah. Easy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Those are the the concrete ideas that I feel like I would have a hard time, um, you know, speaking out Mm -hmm. against. And, and so uh, Mm -hmm. there, there was a lot of discussion uh, about the HSlda in this summit, mm-hmm. also and how they, you know, will not, oh yeah, move an inch when it comes to any perceived regulation or, or increased oversight of homeschooling. And and I feel like that's mm-hmm. a mistake. I feel like there are there are some very basic like protections that can be enacted mm-hmm. that will not negatively harm uh, the the vast majority of people out there. And and so there mm-hmm. is some sort of middle ground that that can be found. Right. Uh, yeah, okay, so I, uh, yeah. uh, enough for me. What do, you, what do you think, Pat? What are the, the concrete well, uh, changes that you would back?
1: Well, um, again, I, I going after corporal punishment, you know, making a, a, a law saying you know it should be banned, um, allowing children to homeschool children to take public school classes, mm. you know, not mandating it, but you know make, lure them in <laughs> you know put put some attractive classes in there put a good teacher in there whatever you know uh, but you know that that would be another way um, i'm i'm all for uh, public health um you know and and so if you know ha- having the government you know, having our taxes paid to uh, have make sure that you know families can use the doctors of their choice. You know, depending on what you know if they're into alternative medicine or or uh, regular doctors, but they're all mandatory reporters. I hope, and and that would take care of that uh, to to a degree. But I don't think any of this is, is really going to solve the whole problem um, and, until we start to to give children the respect and dignity that we, they lack, you know, um, you know, John, John wrote about this a lot about, you know, you just listen to the interactions of parents and teachers, you know, the way that they yell and scream at kids and, uh, you know, force them and bribe them and threaten them. I mean, you know, change, changing those behaviors, you know, and, you know, through modeling, I, I personally, I would love to see like, you know, public service announcements that say children are not born to be hit. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you cause more damage to a child by hitting them than, you know, you know, that discipline can be done and, you know, can be learned in other ways, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't want to do those sorts of things. You know, I don't know. America is very funny that way. You know, we, we, we prize personal and um, individuality and, um, self-reliance and i'm all for that and but at the same time we live in a community we're not individuals alone we're individuals in a crowd and then you know we should interact with the people in that crowd and get to know them better um and trying to figure out how to do that you know i mean school alleges to do it but it's clearly not working and hasn't this is the thing that annoys me the most is, is you know, I, I'm, I'm 64 and I've, I've got I've been through at least three major school reforms led by the federal government. and God knows how many here in the state of Massachusetts. And, you know, all they've done is up the graduation rates a bit. Still doesn't mean that people are working well, getting good jobs, health care and all that stuff. You know, I mean, there's a disconnect that I think that, that we really have to start to put back together in, in, in society mm. and to, to just focus on like, a as you put it, you know, a subset of homeschoolers who, you know, for religious or political or just, you know, bad reasons that, uh, you know, uh, strange ideas that they have of family unity, you know, lead them to abuse their children, you know, in either by educational neglect or, uh, physical neglect, whatever, you know, but again, just sending your kid, the kid to school doesn't solve that problem. Mm-hmm. You know? So we have, we have to really deal with this on, on a, on a meta level, instead of just saying, Oh, let's pass a law that'll do this. And that'll, that'll solve that problem. Let's have them go look at this doctor once a year and that'll take care of that problem.
0: Yeah. And, and just to bring it back to John Taylor Gatto, once again, uh, the sense that I got from this summit was that, you know, we we can't give up on the the public school ideal. And it's really like this Santa Claus figure, which is going to distribute gifts to all the kids. And, you know, if Mm -hmm. we can only just figure out the right, right way to tweak it and and make it perfect. um, Mm -hmm. You know, John Gatto wrote, listen, we've tried for a long time. You know, there are some very foundational uh, problems with with the notion of public school. And uh, the analogy that he drew that I I always come back to, he says, what's the difference between public schools and public parks or public libraries? So we don't have a bunch of (laughs) uproar over parks and libraries. We all happily fund these things. The difference Mm -hmm. is you don't compel anyone to go to a park or a library. It's as basic as that. It's about this basic form of 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 choice of non coercion making resources mm-hmm. available but not mandatory and and yeah. he really spoke out for this kind of unique american individualistic approach of letting lots of little experiments flourish and mm-hmm. and i think that that has to be preserved and and the people in the mm-hmm. summit by and large you know want to move the the education system towards a more European, more social welfare model. And, and I can see mm-hmm. where they're coming from. And, and earlier, Pat, you said, you know, this is about treating children with dignity and respect. And I feel like they share that exact same goal. This is about making sure all these kids have dignity and, and respect. They are just putting more faith in this, this imperfect institution. And uh, mm-hmm. then, then they're putting in largely decentralized, decentralized all the way down to the level of the individual family, um, you know, a, a multitude of solutions. And anytime there's a multitude mm-hmm. of solutions, yeah, there's going to be a, a few wackos at the end of the distribution. But if, then you look mm-hmm. at the the opposite end of the distribution and there are these wonderful, glorious success stories that go so far beyond what conventional school could have ever offered. And mm-hmm. so it's like, what kind of world do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a world where where these these sort of glorious outliers are possible, or where everything, maybe in a sort of Finland model is is constrained into this one narrow band of of like, all right, everything's pretty good or okay uh, most of the time. And you know, n- nothing's really allowed to to be we hope nothing's allowed to go really bad, but at the same time, There are so many guardrails that you can't do anything very different, very outside the box, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. you know, I I go for the more American approach, you know, but I'm biased of course. And I haven't had direct exposure to the worst of the worst. I'm just hearing about this now. So, Mm -hmm. boy, what are we going (laughs) to (laughs) do? Well,
1: I hope that, that there, there, there can be some, some sort of discussion that 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 prevents the masters of the universe who, are, who want to pull all the levers on the education machine to you know, make make it, make the, this whole thing work, come to realize that maybe maybe it'd be better if it was uh, a more fluid and um, more uh, small scale a lot of small scale things. I mean, schools used to be that way. It used to be neighborhood schools and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, now we've gone into the magnet school idea. And, and yeah, you know, in fact, one of the, I think it was one of the moderators during one of the sessions was talking about you know, the data and the lack of data and how we need the data so we can manage homeschoolers. <laughs> that just kind of made my eyes pop a little bit. It's like, wait, that, that's why you want all this data to manage us? <laughs>
0: Yeah, this idea oh, of everything so, being a resource or a widget.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I really wish that that you know we could get people who you know who, who understand that families, family life, and raising children is not just a, a about pulling levers and putting people in in classes <laughs> and classifying mm-hmm. them. <laughs> you know, um, so. It's it's going to be hard, but at the same time, you know, children should not be beaten, and they should not be denied educational opportunities. Um, and you know, this is serious. I mean, granted, it's a subset of homeschooling, but it should be. You know, I, I, we need to talk about it and figure it out. You know, um, I mean, it's not going to be easy, as as you know, these these high powered individuals make clear. You know, I mean, they keep talking about like you know how after they propose an idea of and yeah, but that's going to be a hard pull, <laughs> you know? So, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting going forward to see, to see what happens, but I think it's all going to break down at the state level, you know, not, not at the federal level on this and that, that every state is going to, you know, the, the, uh, people, um, you know, like the Harvard advocates, you know, want to ban homeschooling or now, um, you know, They've taken a more nuanced position, thank God. But um, you know, I I hope that they could realize that that small is beautiful, and that maybe uh, you know they shouldn't like use the uh, bulldozer to try and solve this Mm -hmm. problem, but a scalpel instead.
0: All right, that's a beautiful place to end it, Pat. Thank you so much for diving into both of these conferences with me and I love this discussion. So it's been a real treat. Always
1: a pleasure talking with you,
0: Blake. Always. Onwards. Onwards.
1: (laughs) Excelsior.